Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. I'm Eric Pennington. With me, as always, is Jeff East. Hey, Jeff, how are you? I'm doing great, Eric. Everyone, we have a special guest today who's really not a guest in the singular as if we've, like, first-time visit. It's Leanne Lander is back with us for another episode. Leanne, it's great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me again. It's good to be back. Well, and Leanne, you were so gracious because I sent you an email and it was kind of, it wasn't, I mean, I know we've kind of had some communication mostly on social media, I know, but um, I just thought, oh my gosh, we're getting close to the end of the year. Quite frankly, and hopefully this will not embarrass you too much, your episodes are probably some of the most listened to ones that we have. Hmm. So for our audience... This is awesome so that we can get you in before the end of the year. I don't know when we'll release this one, but for everyone out there, I know you'll, you're will you going to get a lot out of it. And we've talked a little bit prior to coming on about the idea of creativity. And typically when Jeff and I are doing a show, we think when we think about creativity, it's kind of those moments where we go, you know, Leanne, <laughs> that kind of thing, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And and having you back today, Leanne, um, for me, and obviously I want to give you an opportunity to talk about what give us an update on what you're doing, but I'm going to focus in, if it's okay with you, uh, on this idea of creativity and how maybe it's not just for the artist, the musician, the singer, the poet, on and on. And I know maybe in the previous episodes we touched on that, but maybe if we could kind of go down the road of not allowing any of us to get around that creativity is there as a tool for us, regardless mm-hmm. of what our role may be in life. Um, because I'm kind of of the mind, Leanne, that creativity was a gift given from above, right? Mm-hmm. This thing that is not just to say, oh my gosh, that song is so wonderful, or oh, that that artwork is just but it's this thing that helps us make sense of a world that sometimes, if not oftentimes, seems to not make sense. Absolutely. Survival is creativity. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's start there. You know that that's a great statement. All right. So how did we how do you think we got to this place where it was relegated to the different kids or the the nerdy kids or the kids that played an instrument and kind of was kind of isolated do you you think there's something around that oh yeah absolutely i think you know what i've noticed is right around middle school okay you know um the kids start kind of defining themselves Mm -hmm. and you know i'm an athlete or i'm a you know 
I'm band kid or something like that. And then a lot of the other kids kind of fall, well, what am I, you know? And that's when kids are really starting to discover or try to discover, well, who they are, what's my thing. And, um, you know, and then that just sticks with you as you get older and you, you get through high school, college and as a career, you know, I have walked into so many corporate offices and they're like, oh, I'm not creative because we do some creative team building with people. And, right. and they're like, oh, you know, I use so-and-so, you know, can do stuff and you're so talented or whatever. And, and just I cringe because I'm like, oh, you know, I cringe, but I'm also here's a great opportunity right in front of me because the person saying that I'm just like, you have no idea. You've forgotten how creative you are and you've fallen into the trap that since you're not an artist or you know a musician you're not creative and it's so false yeah so yeah. leanne and and jeff i want to come to you next okay. um you know we did a show um a couple of it might have been a couple of episodes ago we started talking a little bit about core beliefs mm-hmm. right and i'm fascinated by that from the perspective of how those get formed right so when we're when we're younger when we're in that middle school and before, we're not fully developed. Our brain isn't, right? We, we haven't developed a critical um, filter. And critical as in, wait a minute, I know you said left, but it's truly white or right, excuse me. Um, you said that it was tomorrow, but it's actually next week. Typically, when we're younger, we're like sponges, right? And I'm stealing some of this from the clinicians um, that we've been looking at. But I find that interesting because if, if, you, if you absorb it and take it on, the tendency is, is that we take what was absorbed and we carry it on into adulthood. So I could see someone at 35, 40, whatever years old saying to you, well, I'm not creative. Because then I'd want to go and say, well, how do you know that? Well, I'm just, I don't, I, I don't play an instrument. I haven't, I, I, I can't paint and I don't do sculpture. I don't write poetry. Well, who told you you, you can't? Mm-hmm. And where did that come from? Where, where's that core? Because sometimes, Leanne, I think it's not just in creativity, but so many things. It's like we walk around with all of these myths in our head. Myths and busyness. And Ooh. distractions. So I think... Um, well, first of all, I would say creativity shows up all over the corporate world. I mean, anytime right. you're solving a problem in a new way, you know, mm-hmm. like, there is always that this is how we have always done it and this is the way you need to do it. But, you know, a creative person will come in and want to problem solve it and they see right away, oh, here, here's the inefficiencies. Here's how we could actually raise our productivity. That's creativity right there. You know, that's kind of like doing it a little Can differently. Can we do that on autopilot? And not acknowledge it as creativity, or does it is it more powerful if we do like you just described? That's a good question, and I I think for a lot of people it probably just happens on autopilot. Yes. I think it's just how they operate. They're just, yep. you know, that's what they do. Um, so, I don't and know. and I and for our audience, uh, this is not a call to you to say that if it doesn't feel as powerful to you uh, as it does for Leanne and Jeff and I that somehow you need to come over to our side and get energized. It's just, I sometimes wonder um, if we maybe would allow ourselves to see some of it from the lens of 
wow, this is creativity. Look what creativity did for us. Look where it took us, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many of us walking around and we just take for granted some of these giftings. Okay, so creativity will show up to your point on what appears to be autopilot. Mm -hmm. And um, it's because the creativity finds a way, you know, creativity, uh, sorry, creativity will, will find a way into your life and come out in different ways. So, Is that kind of uh, like water? Absolutely. <laughs> See, Jeff right here is probably thinking, okay, now we're heading in a direction That's I want right. to go. Yes, uh, in the flow. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. when you get in the flow. But you know what? It has a lot to do with a corporation or a company because uh, when there's a lot of uh, resistance to newness and, you know, like, because mm -hmm. there's, there's some corporations, this is how we do it. This is how we have always done it. And, and there is no, like, you can't do it this way. Right. And that's what squelches these people who, you know, see, hey, we could be doing this so much better. So uh, that has to come from the top down. You know, the, the creativity has to be allowed or mm -hmm. those creative people, those problem solvers, they will find a different way around a different rock. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to something you said more towards the beginning about that people look at creativity as only being in the, the realm of art, music, writing, the, 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 you know, whatever those things are that we look at as creative. How do we help people understand, as an example, if you're waiting for a, a, a train to go by and that locomotive goes by, I see creativity <laughs> in whoever designed that locomotive. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how do we get the idea across that, you know, that person that designed that was being creative. He took something we didn't have before right. and either in, did it the first time or took what was already been used and made it better. You know, it, in anything, how do we get that idea of, of creativity beyond the art world? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, it's helping people, um, I think, just realize what Ever they're doing that they're taking for granted if they are you know if they are doing these things a little differently or solving problems differently um, I think the biggest sadness or, or like the bummer that is happening is that people um, miss their talent they they take it for granted or they overlook it completely because it may come really easily for them so for you, you look at this train and you, you see so much, you know, so much admiration for the art, the lines, the beauty of it, the genius of it. Mm -hmm. Someone else may be looking at that and they're just frustrated with life. They're not seeing anything that you're seeing. You know, that's perspective. That's the difference in how you're looking at life. But people like you who are already embracing that and seeing that creativity all around them all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of times they just assume everyone sees that. Yeah. I, I, I was surprised <laughs> when I found out that everybody doesn't see things that way. That's right. And so that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of ways to answer your question. I'm, I'm curious to see what you would think about it because I think um, one thing I try to do is just validate them and say did you realize hey that's what you're doing is pretty different mm -hmm. and that right there in itself is creativity and you know to applaud them for it first of all recognize it right well certainly and, jeff isn't it kind of what we run into from time to time about uh, 
spiritual. You know, people have we we've we've taken that label and we've held on to it to identify it as code for religion. Right. Mm. And what happens? It we don't I mean I realize yes it can have connection right. to religion. Uh-huh. It can have connection to God, which by the way, um I don't equate God and religion as one and the same. <laughs> no. Thankfully. <laughs> um but that's just me. Um the thing I'm going as with <clears throat> Is that when people hear us talk about, well, we're actually talking about what makes you one of one. Right. And that that spiritual part is all the connections we've talked about in it. Yeah. And I think people that are, are embracing the idea of, of spir- this kind of spirituality or whatever it is, they're being creative within themselves. Mm-hmm. Not, yes. you know, once again, it's an, a, another way to look at it. Creativity doesn't have to be designing something. Creativity mm-hmm. can be recreating yeah yeah recreatively yeah. i don't just, know what the word would just be just acknowledging it or seeing mm-hmm. what you're saying you know um i came to a place in life where i was so miserable i really just couldn't stand ohio i couldn't stand my life anything and um i had to reinvent myself in the way i saw the world and so i started challenging myself it was like this little scavenger hunt it was a game i created is to see the beauty right where i was mm-hmm. i think i've talked about that a little bit before mm-hmm. but that's kind of similar to what you're saying. It's like, rather than be bored waiting for the train, how many cool things can I find right here where I'm at? You know, and it's that changes everything. It changes how your your whole you know, outlook. You know what's interesting? You know, when you say that, um, it and I've been doing a lot of um, a lot of thinking about the power of connection, um, and um, I'm stealing a little bit of this from Danny Silk. Um, his ideas around this idea that, that we, in every relationship, we have to be striving to continually build connection. Mm, true. And he also gives the warning, as won't surprise you too, that if we're not building connection, we're tearing it. There is no net neutral. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you a story, Leanne, of where I think it might answer some of Jeff's question. And, and it has to do with this idea in our relationships, and all of us will be in different places in this regard, because I don't want to give you or the audience the impression that you've got to have perfect relationships and then, because it's ongoing. You know, um, my son and uh, I, we had a very difficult set of conversations the last couple of days, and it, it, it was tearing at connection, and we, we had to, you know, what are we going to do here? Now, he's not in a place yet where he sees it as vital as I do. But as I'm talking to him, I'm thinking, okay, remember, Eric, you, 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 you build a connection. What do you need to say that builds connection, mm-hmm. right? So as we evaluate our relationships and the level of connectivity that we have with those relationships, whether they're the closest ones, the next closest ones, or whatever, I think that creates environments where courage can appear. Mm-hmm. Right, so this is the story of Paul Gio. Um, I don't think virtually anyone out there knows Paul, but Paul is a great guy. He's got wonderful comic timing, which for me is like everything. If somebody's got like Jeff, I'm gonna embarrass Jeff. Jeff has good. <laughs> he has good comic timing. He knows how to place. He knows. How, you <laughs> know what you. I'm saying, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Okay. And he told me um, that he decided. And 
Paul is, um, I don't know, he's got to be close to 60, maybe 61. He says to me, I decided to take up playing sax. And I go, wow. I said, have you, I mean, I didn't know, did you play when you were younger? You know, all those kind of questions. (laughs) No, but I've always wanted to. And I said, wow, that's great. You know, it was that conversation. Boom. Another conversation three months later. How's it going? Oh, I really love it. I really love it. He said, I can't play, but I, I mean, I'm learning. And he's got this gentleman who's a very established saxophone player who is giving him private lessons. And you know what's interesting? We may never hear Paul play the sax, mm-hmm. but I can see transformation mm. in him. Yeah. Because we got to talking mm-hmm. about the value of a note. And I was telling the story around uh, a musician who, when he first learned to play, the teacher just started him with just, I want you to play B flat. Play it again. Play it again. Play it again. And then he says, okay, we're done for the day. And the guy was like, wait a minute. All (laughs) I did was play B flat. The motivation there is I want you to know B flat. I want you to know its tone. I want you to know its feel. What does it do? Mm. And I relayed that to Paul, and he was, yeah, that's how the sax player, he was telling me, don't focus on playing scales or just one note, mm. just one note. And, you know, like I said, I, I don't think Paul has aspirations of recording or touring or joining a band or whatever. Maybe he will, but what did it do to his life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was yeah. what was profound. Now, so, you, so creating that B flat, that B flat was a catalyst to what? Mm-hmm. If I had to, and I and I didn't ask him, I think it was the catalyst to understanding that I could go over into this field and see what's there. It's not so scary. It's not something I need to talk myself out of. Right, and I think what you said earlier is is maybe even more important. Sometimes creating just for the sake of creating with no outcome and no result. Like his goal isn't to play with a band. Maybe. I mean, maybe it is. Yeah, maybe right, it isn't. Right. But um, I think some of the most joy that I get when I'm creating is when I'm not thinking of the end goal. I'm not thinking of what mm-hmm. gallery is this going to or what yeah. show is this or the commission or anything like that. Creating just to enjoy the the muse basically that's upon you because when you get into that zone of creativity um whether this is art or music or honestly spreadsheets it doesn't really matter you know you get into the zone and you lose track of time mm-hmm. you you lose you know it's like this fun thing that you're just having a communion with the art or the creative process yeah with no goal no, I, it's great i think you just said something that reinforces the value of it, you lose the time, mm-hmm. which means you're not thinking about, I got to go to the grocery store later and I got to make the car payment. You're, you've, the, all those things are, are put aside for that time so that you're focusing on you. Not even you. You you almost lose yourself. Yeah, you're focusing more on better way to say it. What your hands are doing, or what what is happening, you know. And it's beautiful when you lose all of that awareness, kind of in a way, because you get out, you get yourself out of the way in that. Mm. There's a great quote from Vinnie Caluda, 
um, one of the greatest drummers alive. <laughs> I just want to tell you. Two, two music references. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're doing well, Jeff. Uh, the, the quote goes, thought is the enemy of flow. Oh, yeah. Great. Right. Um, and yes. I would say any of our uh, any of our listeners, uh, if you have a chance to just even if, if you Google Vinny Kaluta and look at some of the, <laughs> the the artists that he's played with, and just take a listen. Oh wow! The uh, he is um, I almost would call him a human metronome. Uh, he's just uh, so cool. it's just unbelievable. Um, so I, I really wanted to say it that way about courage because. I mean, obviously, I mean, maybe not so obviously. I mean, I think kids are much more open and are much more curious and willing to, to go places. But when we have enough time, when we have so much time on the road, careers, families, retirements, all the other stuff that we're told we're supposed to be focusing on, it can take courage. And that's one of the things that I don't even think Paul maybe realized when he was telling yes. me was that. Wow, Paul, you just gave me some inspiration. Yes. And and that's powerful because it's not that it's not the case of where it saved my life, but it did inject into me a spirit of oh my gosh, this is, you know. He's just doing it. Oh he's my just gosh, doing how it. brave. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm in a song circle. Um like I'm in a couple songwriting groups and, you know, there's some wildly talented music musicians i mean i feel like i've just attended a free concert and how lucky am i to just to be in the room with some of these people <laughs> right and then there's others who are just coming to the table and, and they don't really have an instrument and they are just bringing lyrics and they're, they're trying to sing it they're they're not you know really gifted in, in singing it. and you know what they that person i feel more like oh my gosh how wildly brave are they and i love what they bring to the table because they are doing it anyway yeah. And that is amazing. That and I think some of what courage. you're saying. Yeah, and, and, and these are, I think these, I hope they'll become the worst kept secrets of life. These are, this is where the real gold is found. And yeah. not because the three of us are talking about it today, but because it is. And I would dare say that the people who, again, have that courage to say, I'm going to bring my, my song that I wrote. Bear and, my soul. I'm gonna, and this is just something I need to get out. This is something I need to share um, there's so, I mean, there's so much gold there in Absolutely. just that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So I wanted to pivot to this idea about the thing that we all have. Drum roll, please, somewhere. Right. <laughs> uh, talent. Again, a, a very misunderstood and mischaracterized word, because when we talk about talent, People can say, I'm not fill in the blank. I don't know how to. Again, these damn core beliefs, right? <laughs> or I'll never be as good as. as. Oh, comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, the right. limiting beliefs. Yeah, comparison yeah, yeah, exactly. Tragic. Exactly. I am, I'm of the mind that we all have mm -hmm. different talents. And this, this analogy uh, of the talents um, really comes from um, a uh, podcast. Uh, that I saw a gentleman by the name of David Goggins uh, on. He was with uh, Joe Rogan. And um, David Goggins has a very fascinating life story. Many people know because um, he's very popular. Um, but one of the things I thought was very interesting in this little segment that I saw, listened to, um, 
was about the idea about the limits of talent and what it can do and that the next sort of level is truly where we're developing mental mm. strength um, because for me selfishly, personally, it got me thinking how much of my life, how many of the things that I do that I do well, that I can say that I have a talent in, have I, have I maybe pushed cruise control on any of those? Mm. Saying that it's good enough, it's delivering applause, I can utter the words at a cocktail party, whatever the case may be. And you know the answer is absolutely, um, no, you haven't reached. There's more. Hmm. And it got me curious about that idea, Leanne, of, of what do we do with this talent that we have? Um, I, I, I firmly believe the person you were alluding to in the songwriting group, maybe they're struggling with their vocals and getting the right tone. Maybe the, the structure of the song isn't quite what it is now. But it wouldn't be hard for me to imagine it with some work and some practice. Those things can be, you know, sort of built out for it to be good. <laughs> you, you just made my wife and I watched I don't know if it was the farewell concert, but one of the farewell concerts from Elton John. Ah. Do you think Elton John and Bernie Topin's first effort was uh, Yellow Brick Road? <laughs> right, right. Well, and there's yeah. there's this also, uh, and I, I want to make sure I, I stay on track here, um, but there is also something to be said, the misunderstanding about um, when you are creating something. Um, I think people associate... Uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road mm -hmm. as being this magical thing that happened on a Saturday morning where they all came together and the sun, the sun just, went, you know, and the heavens <laughs> opened. And, but if anybody's been in that place, whether you're playing music or whether you're, um, you're I would imagine, Leanne, when you're creating a, a piece of art, are there not those times where you go, no, 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 Jeff, that I, I'm sorry, I thought we were in D. Let me play that line one more time. Eric, can you turn down the treble there a little bit? Because that's interfering. Okay, hold on. Oh, my gosh, hold on. My wife's calling. Let me get back. <laughs> and maybe after three, four, five hours, we get something. And here's what's interesting to me. And you can read in these interviews, right? You'll have someone that will say, I didn't think it was that great. But after they hear it, oh, my gosh, it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But people, I, I think yeah. that what's happening when it's being made is so... I used to cringe at it because I thought it was so much more of a statement of how good I was at what I was doing. But I started realizing, coming back to what you were said earlier, when you are in that place, it's it's magical, even though it can be frustrating. So let me mm. let me pivot. Do you have that feeling when you're when you're doing art? Have you had those times? Where, yeah, I wanted this. No, I've got to start over. I got to no. Take that out. Take that out. Your process all the time there's an ugly stage of any of it and um i'm reminded of a quote from neil pert i i think i referenced him every time <laughs> i'm on here good reference we, we can we but, can handle uh, that yeah uh, <laughs> persistence drags the dream into existence right Ooh. <laughs> where's the mic and can we drop it <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh okay say that once more please persistence drags the dream into existence Wow, what a powerful quote. I I think of that quote a lot when I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing. Um, 
songwriting or art or whatever because there's a point where you meet resistance and you get uncomfortable and you're like this is as far as I can go or maybe I'm willing to go or it's as far as I can go easily and all kinds of things will come into your head that I'm not good enough I'm you know you're comparing and and it's garbage and if you give into that that's where you stop is that persistence required to keep moving ahead? Oh, in my opinion, yes, absolutely. Uh, it's persistence, it's courage, it is just this tenacity that I'm just going to blow through that ceiling. I'm going to blow through this wall or this obstacle. I'm going to flow around it, whatever you want to call it. Um, because I think that really separates the accomplished goal versus the dreamed goal. Okay, so I mean, I myself, I've been saying, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. I got sick of hearing myself say it. Now, guess what? I wrote a book. <laughs> I'm an <laughs> and author. We, and we are going to talk about that, Leanne. So, um, but to get there, though, right. yes. there's this point where, oh, my gosh, you know, you've got, oh, the, the writing is, is the easiest part, right? And the doing the art is the easiest part. Here's the hardest part, finishing the art, putting the hardware on the art maybe sanding it, all the things that are not in my skill set. You know, I have to acquire those things and I have to power through it because the fun part that everyone sees, the beautiful part, that's about 40% of what I do. The other 60% is all the hard stuff that no one sees. You do it in the quiet <laughs> labors of the night. And same thing with writing the book I found. The easiest part was writing it. The hardest part was finding the, the author, like how do you um, – Oh my gosh, get an ISBN number, for instance. I mean, there's so many little obstacles that are scary things the first time you go through it. And it's easy enough to just shut you down and say, this is not for me. Guess what? I, I thought it was going to be fun, but it's not. And then you're like, uh, but persistence. I'm going to just choose intentionally to power through those obstacles and, you know, set apart the dreamers from the doers. And that's, that's for me, what I've found is the key. So, Leanne, when we think about uh, the diamond and, you know, they, they talk about the different facets of a diamond, right? What were some of the facets you discovered, for example, in the book writing process of Leanne? Did you meet a, a Leanne you hadn't met before? Oh, my gosh. You know, so many cool things happened along the way. Mm -hmm. We've talked about connections. You mentioned connections. Okay, so the art exhibit I have going on right now is called Interconnectivity, and it's almost so weird how many connections have happened through this process. So here's the great thing. The scary part is, like, not knowing how to do these things and um, not knowing even who to ask or what to start. But guess what? You never do it alone. You can choose to try to do it alone, and you're not really going to get any far, but you have connections. You have lifelines. And so well, guess what? You ask people. You ask your connections. You ask people who maybe have done something like this before, or do you know someone who does? And the great facets or whatever you're talking about that opened, opened up my life is the end goal was a team effort. Mm -hmm. And that was so awesome because – how much sweeter it was to be at that end goal with the whole team. Like we were all like high-fiving each other, you know? It was me and my illustrator and the people in the group that kind of helped me get there. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just like, hi, I'm an author, Leon Lunder, alone, <laughs> sole artist. Um, and even in the, my art exhibits, I mean, this cool thing, the facets I'm learning, the beautiful part is that, okay, 
I can't curate worth a darn. I don't know what I'm doing or how to put the art up on the wall. But, you know, when I got to this place and um, these art galleries and stuff, they are wonderful curators. That's an art in itself. That's, they know how to do they're it. They're being creative. Absolutely. And way better than I could have done it. I'm, I'm in awe of seeing it all up on the walls and everything. So that is, I think, one of the most important parts is the interconnectivity of you and your materials that you're doing that you're working with. There's this connection there. There's a connection with you and the creative process and the flow. Then there's this connection with the audience and you as a artist but then there's a connection of the audience and the material and the product of what they are viewing that almost becomes their own now you know the the wild part that i'm realizing now sunny the firefly is the name of this book and sunny is now i mean we've talked about the birth process and i've had this baby and now sunny is you know a toddler and we're learning how to walk and going out into the world but it just hit me the other day it's like Sonny is now creating his own friends, just like my own kids. And he is going to go into people's homes and, and be spending intimate time with these little ones and hmm. their faces over and over. Their little hands will be, you know, getting to know Sonny and he'll be getting to know them. He's going to go into places I will never get to go into. Hmm. And what a cool connection that is, right? I mean, yeah. so I would never have got to experience these feelings and these beautiful facets that you're talking about without persistence and powering through the hard part and I didn't get there alone I did it by asking and you know getting help where I needed it because um to to stay on that talent and mental strength thing I guess one of the challenges that at least I see in our culture is that we're not developing people to be mentally strong and and when I mean with Mm -hmm. the mentally strong thing I don't want it to connotate as in I'm strong, you're weak, I'm better. That's right. not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about mental strength to be able to take things on, to try new things, to allow the messages that keep telling you what you should be to be turned down and to be open to the things of what you were meant to be, right? And as someone who has given in to the voices of what I, you should be, um, There's nothing quite like that kind of cul-de-sac because for me, you know, you know, you think of the vision and when I use the term cul-de-sac for those who in the United States will get that right away, but you, you drive in, it's a wonderful entry point. You know, you look around and maybe there's some great scenery, but pretty soon you start to realize there's this curve (laughs) and the curve is bringing you back to where you came in, right? And time goes by as you're doing it. And hmm. I, I, mental strength for me in that regard is hold on. Before I take another step into this cul-de-sac, let me look around. Hmm. Let me ask Jeff, is this a cul-de-sac? <laughs> Can you help me understand what happens if I stay here? Or I've been in that cul-de-sac, and Eric, you don't want to go there. <laughs> right? Right? Exactly, right? Then you're the stark warning, right? That's kind of where I'm going with the mental strength part. And, and I don't expect if you've never had that because, my goodness, I'm, I'm looking at this FTX, uh, the crypto uh, trading platform that went bankrupt, right? <clears throat> um, and this kid, 
as I may call him, he's 26, the, the CEO or the former CEO, the one that's in the news. Um, and I, I'm reading an article about his parents. And what was really fascinating to me, and it's really, it was really insignificant. I don't think the, the person who wrote the article or the periodical was trying to highlight this. But she had written, one of the parents had written an essay about, how did she, how was, how was it put, um, that personal responsibility was kind of an outdated norm. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, $32 billion, how many billions of dollars are lost that no one can say where they went? Customers who have put in, investors who have put in, and I'm going, not that I know this, right? Because I don't. But how much of the influence could there have been in that regard? If, if it was mm. pivoted around to, okay, you can do all these great things, but you got to remember, you're responsible to do the right thing. And if you're going to have customers, you're going to have clients, and it's fiduciary in nature, you cannot dodge that. You're responsible. My concern about where we're at is that we're moving into this, well, you might need personal responsibility, but I have chosen not to. And mm -hmm. Jeff is going to do something somewhat in the middle, and it all will just work out. And maybe we're already there. But I would like to see more of that mental strength relating to what we're talking about today to where, you know what, I, I, can, I can pick up the sacks. Mm. I can try it. Mm -hmm. You know what? And, and yeah, it is going to be hard. That's okay. Hard's not bad. Persistence is not, a, it's not ugly. It, it, it's tough, but it'll, it'll move me somewhere. Versus saying, well, you know, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm good where I'm at. I've, I've achieved what I need to. I just think yeah. there's so much beyond what we know we can do and achieve. And developing that mental strength piece, I think, is essential. Um, yeah, it's growth. You know, that's where growth occurs, right? It's uncomfortable. But, yeah, it's <laughs> a good point you're bringing up. You know, you just said something there, um, growth. Everybody wants to grow, right? Doesn't? Don't well, they? I mean, a lot of circles and people that we know, probably, yeah. But I don't know if everyone really wants to grow. I mean, now you're asking really hard philosophical questions. <laughs> it's, it's really making my mind explode. Well, because I'm like, with that right there, you just said, is like, you know, if, if you're not having any kind of, uh, you know, feeling a sense of responsibility, you know, in my mind, maybe they don't want to. Maybe they well, don't want to accept the reality or, you know, the hard growth Factor. I don't know. Do, do we have a definition of growth? I think it's unique to each, to some level. Oh, man, we're getting really... <laughs> Sorry. Is this microphone really even yeah. here? <laughs> right? right? Our, our producer over there is just a figment of our imagination. Yeah. <laughs> Brett, I mean, Brett, you're really... Wait, uh, are you here? Yeah, we're in the metaverse. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, that's that's one of the problems, again, is... We tend to imprint ourselves onto yeah. everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, assume everyone wants to grow. Well, I mean, 
I don't know. Or assume that everybody is growing. I am I am learning all this stuff, so why aren't you two learning it? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm growing, you're not. <laughs> right. You know, you know, but that's interesting, Jeff, as you mentioned that, uh, because it is an individual choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this uh, counselor, he was talking about, it was a couple that came in for counseling, and uh, he asked them, you know, what's a goal for your marriage? And the, the husband, he, he could not answer. He, he stumbled with it. Mm. And he said, you know, okay, well, you know, something. I mean, what, what would you like? I mean, he was truly trying to draw it out of him, try to get – and then I guess I got so, he got so frustrated that he said, I, I don't see how this is important. We're here to work on our problems. Basically, and I'm paraphrasing, is that ultimately he said, you know what, um, in order to do that, you got to have a goal. If you don't want to have a goal, then you need to find a new counselor. I think, mm. especially when I look at, for example, Leanne, the work that we do, our deal is we're offering a process, a proven one, to move you from hanging out only in your intellectual part of your brain to blending that with your emotional. And the only people that don't succeed in our process are the ones that are not willing to work at it. Right. So if you say, hey, it's not my deal, I'm not into it, we don't take offense. Mm-hmm. But we are not going to sign a contract, take your money, and watch you just flail at it, and then we walk away going, well, that was a great sell. Exactly. That, because yeah. I know for me personally, I can't speak for Jeff or other partners, that my clock's ticking. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to spend my life just doing a faux engagement to do a faux process of work and growth. I get it. For you, Leanne, there could be certain elements that you take off like a rocket and just soar. For Jeff and I, we may just struggle just trying to walk one step after the other. But the key common denominator needs to be that all three of us want it. Right. And, and I think the idea of, you know, what is growth, somebody that is in the situation that they're in survival, mm-hmm. l- learning to live in survival is growth. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in fairness to my friends out there that have been diagnosed with ADHD, um, and I learned this somewhat the hard way, um, their approach to getting to knowing what they want is a lot harder than it is for me. And I say that with empathy, and I also say it with there's still the possibility of getting there. You just have to do it in a different way so that the way that their brain and with what they're challenged with is not a permanent block. Mm -hmm. Just had to say that. And maybe there's others out there too that have other challenges that make it difficult to be able to say, well, I'm not sure if I want it or not. There's something that's blocking that. So I don't want to make it sound like, hey, this is everybody. Well, it's just your question posed was an interesting one because I I look back, my own children have even said, I don't want to grow up. You know, they've recognized it's not all that it's cracked up to be. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh. Can I I get an amen? (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to my second childhood. (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, there's that point of empathy where like oh we just want to cry a little bit over that you know like yeah 
you know, and I wish you didn't have to grow up in some ways, you know, but it's this moving needle and we keep yeah, moving and forward. You know what? I, for some people, it's not the right time. I, I get it. It is. I it's mean, all t- it's yeah, timing. Yeah. yeah. It's it, it, truly, truly, truly. I would not want anyone to feel like the guns to the head and you must or else. Right. Right. Um, my hope for every person is that they will discover, like what we said at the beginning, that creativity is something for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that if we open our minds up to kind of see it through different lenses, we'll understand that it's not just, again, confined to those who we consider to be artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Leanne, since our last visit, your last visit with us, you mentioned the book. You mentioned uh, showing at a gallery. Um, how about updating us on that and what it means to you? Oh, you know, it's relief. I think is the best word I've been able to come up with to describe is the relief to be on the other side of I'm going to is, hey, I have this <laughs> thing that you can see and feel and touch, you know, yeah. and uh, working through those barriers and fear so much fear you guys (laughs) leading up to the exhibit it's a huge amount of work um it hit me the other day uh, there's some kids coming through the gallery and some different patrons and they're like well which piece is yours and i'm like all of it and you know it hits me when i see it in their eyes they're like what you know and um so leading up to it it was really really exhausting and it wore on me but it was good work and it was good important work so Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing what it means to me is I accomplished it now guess what now I know I have confidence in myself that I didn't have before Mm -hmm. so now when I say I'm going to write another book it's not just this you know ethereal air or something like fantasy it's like uh, you better believe that I'm going to do it now you know it's just a matter of time and pushing through again and making it happen. Mm-hmm. So that is a relief. It's, I'm just so thankful to have that experience out there. Wow. Um, so if there's somebody in the audience that says, okay, I, I get it. You've been on the show a few times. Jeff and Eric are talking about this kind of stuff from time to time. All right, I'm willing to agree that creativity is important, but I'm not mm-hmm. so sure... And I'm ready to dive in totally. What would you give them as maybe three, two or three, you know, where do you start with it? And assuming that this person maybe is not quote unquote, they haven't played music before, they, they've not painted, a, you know, they haven't painted before, but they're getting what we're saying about that creativity is for everyone. So what would you say is a good place to start? Or maybe two examples, three, whatever is good for you. Yeah, um, I would say there's some, we're all wired differently and mm-hmm. we all have this, like we're drawn to something and, and it's something different for everyone. Like there's this little nag in the back of your mind. Like, mm-hmm. man, I've always wanted to knit or <laughs> I don't know. It can be so, uh, you know, different for other people. Um, hiking, believe me or not, like that's creative. It's just doing something that is not normal for you. You know, and Leanne, uh, I'm interrupting you, but you just said something that that little nag thing. Mm-hmm. 
It's that little voice. The nag. That yes. says, hey, you should. Yes. You look over there. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, it's this thing in the back of your mind. It keeps circling back. It, it just it keeps thinking, hey, you know what? One day I, I would like to try that. I hear so many people saying, oh, one day I would like to try such and such. Right. What would happen if you just went ahead and did that? Such okay. and such. All right. So <laughs> I'm, I'm setting up a flow here. So maybe <laughs> the first thing to do is to stop and listen a little bit more to that nag that maybe yes. is in the back of your mind that maybe itch, a good place to start whatever it is yeah okay yeah. all right and then um if you feel intimidated by any of that like where do you even start uh find someone else who's done that you know on the internet now there's no reason that you can say hey i don't know anyone who's doing something you know because mm. you just got there and i didn't go to school for art and people are kind of like, you know, surprised to see that. They're like, where did you learn all these different techniques? Because I do a bunch of different techniques. I pour resin, alcohol inks, and um, modeling paste. And I do a lot of different things. I've gotten into sculpture lately, too. And it's like, I've learned it all by kind of seeing other people do something <laughs> similar and just kind of making it my own. So, you know, it's get courage from other sources or whatever to just figure out how to put your toe in the water and start small and do not feel like you have to like get all of the things like don't spend a lot of money on any of this in the beginning like mm. use what you have at your disposable you know like a lot of a lot of things anyway you can start really small and do that just start really small there's a good good entryway to just and i think it's actually even more important to start small because um, there's something about like going out and buying all the really high-end stuff and everything like that. Um, there's pressure there to, to create something really important. You put pressure <laughs> on yourself. And two, it's just, it just doesn't feel really like you ramp up. I like even now using some of my homemade things or whatever things I find around the house for stuff because that in itself Bears creativity. Yeah. Uh, I'll use an example of um, what the American Girl doll store thing. Uh, my kids, uh, it was kind of a blessing. I was a little bit broke. I was a single mom there for a while, and uh, we would go to the American Girl doll stall. I can never say it. American, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get it. And it was everything I could do to save up to get them a doll. So right. uh, I certainly did not have money to get all the things around it, you know, the right. bazillion dollar industry of accessories. Lifestyle stuff. <laughs> so the ninth, nice thing is I couldn't afford it. So they had to build their own. They had to make their cardboard beds and, you know, things out of cardboard and all the stuff. And wow. they loved their stuff, their cardboard beds. And then I went to a friend's house who had, you know, better means and could buy all the things. And I noticed their, all accessories were kind of like trashed, you know, like up in the corner and like, they didn't care about him so much, and it was really interesting, right? What yeah. what happened there? Yeah. Um, wow. Something about your own hands, your own efforts, empowerment, all that kind of stuff, rather than you know going out and buying the most high end stuff that may feel right. so aesthetic almost mm. or something. Yeah. So, so do you think, Leanne, in regards to this? Because um, we've talked a lot on this show about. Um, how our brain works. Um, and 
so many people, when they venture into starting something, starting something new, um, those first few weeks of the start is really, really hard. And I, I, I don't know of the scientific data, but my gut tells me there's something out there that says that if somebody's going to quit, it's probably early on. Mm-hmm. True. Well, I think one of the reasons that that happens, I'm real confident that this is one of the reasons why it happens, is the brain's resistance to, to, to change. <clears throat> now, it's not that our brain doesn't know how to handle change. It's not that our brain thinks that change is an enemy per se. But as we've mentioned many times, primary function, responsibility, role of our brain, protection, efficiency, and ease. If Eric and Leanne and Jeff say, we're going to start playing soccer, our brain is going to say, hold on. <laughs> yeah. uh, hold up a minute. You, we, you don't have time to do that, Leanne. Jeff, you, I've got a bad hip. You got a bad hip. <laughs> Eric, you've got other responsibilities. Leave that for other people. What are the rules? All I right. don't know how that works. Okay. So our brain begins to, on the front side, it's like our opposition. Shoots you down already. Right? Resistance. But my belief yeah. here is that as you are starting something small, that's going to benefit you as well so that that friction is not going to be as great as if you went out and said, yeah, I just spent $1,000 on X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to go do this, and then I've got this big thing. I'm going to pitch this guy in New York City. And then all of a sudden, it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because your brain's going, oh, no, 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 and talk about resistance. So I'm, I'm saying that for people so that they can just acknowledge that in the beginning, you're going to get that. So Dr. Andrew Huberman, um, he coined the phrase, uh, limbic friction. And oh. it's that idea that mm. your brain's resisting making mm. this movement to a new change, a new habit, a new what have you. Um, so those of you out there who maybe say, okay, step one's great. want to do that. Step two, I agree. Leanne, that's great advice. Just want to prepare everyone that as you go down this process, your, your brain's going to resist. This super positive thing is, is that, and everybody's different, Two to three weeks, whatever the case may be, your brain will start to support mm -hmm. what you've decided to do. And that's really powerful. Um, anything else that you would add? Or you think those two are, will get you going down this path of exploring the creativity? I think um, what you mentioned is really important. And um, that resistance, uh, what did you call it? Limbic? He calls it limbic friction. That's so cool. That's way more important than the word I was going to use, which is just control freak. Um, <laughs> this is what happens a lot of time. We get really set in our ways. And, you know, as much as we want to, like, you know, that nagging in our brain, we want to, like, give it any of that tension. There's a sense of control freak that we have to overcome as well. And I think it's the same thing you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, allow yourself to fail and a lot, you know. Uh, and that's why it's good to start with something small and, and not expensive. And um, but and again, we're kind of like veering back into the art world or whatever. It's a great analogy for me. It's the first, you know, because it's like natural for me to use that. Yeah. Um, but you're going to fail a lot in whatever you're doing. And, you know, you're not don't look at the people that are so far ahead of you in your path. You know, look at mm -hmm. look at other people that are kind of like 
just starting up whatever it is too, you know. I almost would say, Leanne, if you encounter someone that says they haven't failed a lot, go the other way. <laughs> then they haven't tried a lot. Or they're lying. Yeah. I mean, just my experience is yeah. that, you know, and I know in the age of social media where every post says that I'm awesome and I do unbelievable things. Yeah. You, you look at look at the Wright brothers. They failed and failed and failed. And then when they succeeded, nobody believed them. It took years after they did their first flight before people believed that they could fly. And, you know, I, I heard a, another reference to David Goggins. He has reframed the fail word or failure into attempts. attempts. Yeah, and that's really a better word. Yes. Because, I yeah. mean, even— and, and, and don't get me wrong, Leanne, yeah. Jeff. It, it's, not, and it's not that I'm saying the word failure is a bad word and you shouldn't use it. I— whatever works for you. But I liked how he reframes it as, well, this is my first attempt. This is my yeah. second and attempt. There, my there's, attempt. There's, I think there's something different between saying, I failed or this attempt didn't work. Yeah, that's yes. really, that's really great, powerful. That's, that's a great and I love that so great, much yeah. because that is really true. I, I would say a lot of the things that I would consider, let's say attempts, I, attempts that didn't meet my intended goal or whatever are still actually people want to buy those things you know and so never judge never be so harsh to judge yourself in your own work you oh know, get some Leanne, other you, opinions I, and things like this, that the the reality around what you just said um is is so on mark uh jeff and i <clears throat> i remember this story I, I think you will we were doing um a uh, we were part of a, a day-long event, and we were, I think we were maybe the last ones mm -hmm. on, and it was like at a wellness conference. And um, we were, um, I don't know, it was like maybe we were getting to the second person had just completed, and I, I like, I think I remember I, I leaned over to Jeff, and I said, Jeff, I think they're basically going to talk about the same things we are. <laughs> and... We had, before the conference, kind of the, the organizer, you know, we had kind of laid out what we were going to do. Mm. And we thought, you know, it was going to be like, well, you guys are going to do this kind of thing. They're going to do this kind of thing. And this person is this kind of But it was this overlap. And I remember going, we can't get up there and just be in a regurgitation because we're going to be on like it. You know, we're, we were the last <laughs> speakers. <laughs> so I just, I ripped Ooh, up wow. and I started right out of the gate and here's what we got to do. Okay. Different. Now I remember <laughs> on break going, Jeff, instead of this. And then I remember you saying, well, we could use the cocktail um, process yeah. in there. So we'll insert uh, that. And then, and this, the conference is going on. I mean, it's like lunchtime. <laughs> and I'm it, right. And I never said this to you, Jeff. I never felt so alive. Oh, mm. right, right. It was fun. Because it was fun. And, and it came off tremendously. But for me, it was that, okay, we're going to go. We, we, okay. we were still making it up while we were doing it. Right. But, but, but here's the thing. See, yeah, and Jeff, calls, yeah. Jeff calls it making it up. He knows where I'm going next. Mm. With modal jazz, it's called improvisation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's newness. It's mm -hmm. fresh. It's, 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 it's reading take. where things are at. And as long as I let Jeff know, moving to Key of C, let's go. Mm-hmm. Jeff knows to follow, right? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think, Leanne, when we do this podcast, there's these certain rhythms and flows that we, 
And I just, and I, I, for the life of me, and I know not everyone's going to embrace it, but I, 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 I think this power of when you put together talented, creative, open, willing people, magic happens. And a space. Yeah. Yes. And it's not over scripted yes. or over rehearsed. There's well, really w- the magic dies when you're over rehearsed. I think we we've, we've learned that as we've progressed from our first few podcasts. We're very scripted. Yeah, they were. They were very structured. Very yeah. structured. Um, yeah. And and what's kind of funny, Leanne, and you and you wouldn't know this. Uh, I remember we we first uh, started sending out interview questions, mm-hmm. where they were specific interview questions designed for them to answer yeah it sounds like a good idea at the time oh my gosh <laughs> you want to talk about a complete nosedive right sure. and before i give away too many of our our secrets jeff uh here at the podcast <laughs> university uh um i just have to say again leanne that that at least you know speaking for me right that pool of creativity um was not designed for greatness or landing another engagement or it was about what do you do in that moment? Mm -hmm. What do you do when what you thought was going to go left is now turning right? And I think whether you're in a meeting in a company where the market turned on you and you got to figure out what do we do differently? Right then on the spot. And I will forewarn any of those decision maker leaders out there the time to make creativity this, quote, powerful tool is to do the prep before the crisis hits. Mm-hmm. Because I believe organizations, people who have made it a part of their practice to be creative will know how to draw on that when what you thought was going to happen doesn't happen. Oh, you see it time and time again in these companies that – Resting in the laurels of their successes in the previous years, mm-hmm. right? And kind yeah. of what we're talking about. And it's similar to what you're talking about, too, with your talent. You yeah. you just get comfortable, and this is what I'm good at. This is this is my thing. You know, I'm not going to push and do anything above and beyond well, that so because it comes so easy. Uh, but then you see companies who folded because they look, just didn't pivot or they couldn't allow themselves because they're like, this is our thing. This is what we're always – like. The video stores of the past, or, right? Or Kodak. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. There's so many different good examples. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was a timepiece company. I can't remember. Um, they couldn't pivot to, I don't know, CSX Railroad. Didn't want to fly. <laughs> you know, they were like, that's never going to work. Or, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that that is, uh, you know, because one of the other things in that, I'm just using the David Goggins interview piece is that they, they mentioned that talented people can be the toughest to train because yes. their abilities have delivered such success that their willingness to put in the work, their willingness to go to push further. Um, and what I think for sure it gets lost. Right. And, and I can say this for any of the work that I've been involved in that I have helped produce or produced you know, as an individual, it, it does sometimes make you go, well, I accomplished it. I did it. And, and that's great. But there also has to be a reserve in you that says, what else? What could be? 
mm-hmm. because there is no arrival. We know this. Mm-hmm. Um, we just live in a culture, I think, now where we've been able to manipulate that a little bit um, because we, I believe, we're so enamored of the results. You know, when you do your book tour, it's going to be, oh my gosh, you're an author. You wrote a mm-hmm. book. How did you do that? Boy, that was so wonderful. And oh, I bet you're getting interviewed. Oh, it's all about the output. Mm-hmm. And Leanne, I, I, I'm not going to speak for you here, but sometimes I think it's powerful. Like, would someone please ask me about that time at 12:30 in the morning when I was asking myself, I don't know if I have this in me. Yeah, the process of it. That's the my process. favorite part, and yeah. the, the yeah. ugly part of the process. Yeah. Because I think that's the more important story, to be quite honest with you. Boom. Yeah. Anyone yeah. aspiring to do any of these things, they need to know yeah. how hard. And this is was. coming from a guy that used to believe when I'd hear someone say, it's the journey, not the destination, Eric. <laughs> I would just go, oh, bullshit. No. Right. It sounds so <laughs> Yeah, right. But you know what? It is the journey. But that's the that human is That condition. is where the gold yeah. is. Yeah. That is the human condition, though, right? So um, I think there's some research out there. I've heard that people are more attracted to uh, the imperfect than the completely polished, perfect. It's what we're talking about, the scripted versus Mm -hmm. the unscripted or whatever. Yeah. But I think we're at a place now where, you know, people want that authenticity. I think in music, I would much rather hear live music. Because there is, I know, I know that they're, they've practiced and they've done everything they possibly could to, to do it right, but there's still, imperfection is not the right word, it's alive. There's energy there. There's a little fat finger here and there. There's something, there's noise. There's, and it, there's some bands that sound horrible in person because they can't do that. They can do it in a studio, Yeah. but they can't do it. Well, live. And then, you know, sometimes something is just lost. Um, I've noticed, like bluegrass, for instance, oh. it's not something I can listen to on a CD or a tape. I am not going to do mm-hmm. that. It's just, there's no soul there for some reason. I, and I can't say I'm a huge bluegrass fan. However, if you've ever been to a bluegrass festival and you've seen the, the little lady doing the clogging and, you know, like they are they are killing their instruments. They are pouring everything into it. I Playing can't get the washboard. Yeah. yeah. I can't get enough of that at that moment because it's about what they are giving. It's the connection. It's and the life. the energy mm-hmm. of what they are giving to their instruments, what the instrument is giving to the audience. And everybody is, it's all this amazing stuff. The audience is connect, giving back. And yeah, creativity, I think, has, is two ways. It absolutely is. Leanne, we can't thank you enough for joining us again today. Yes. And as always, uh, we look forward to the next time that you can join us, which will be soon. We were talking off air about some other things that we had in our head, and then our <laughs> producer reminded me, you're at our number, and I'm going, well, we can't get in a two-parter, so what do we all? Oh, okay, so please come back again. Oh, you bet. Thank you so much for having me. I always love hanging out with you guys, though conversation flows just so organic it's a lot of fun it's a blast it's a blast and for those of you uh out there listening we do appreciate you tuning in and we look forward to the next time we're together take care hi everyone this is eric pennington with the spirit of eq i'm not introducing a new episode today i'm here to tell you some things that might help you jeff 
you're with me as always. So yes. how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, yes. do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So to we're, hear- we're not the perfect podcast host. Close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally. We want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media: LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based, and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.